Hi, you're listening to Your Best with my nanny, Kathy Weckworth. Hi, this is Kathy Weckworth, Executive Director of Best Life Ministries, and you're listening to Your Best, a motivational, inspirational 30 minutes that will help you want to be your best. Hi, this is Mindy Smith, and you're listening to Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. I'm sure this is the voice you were not expecting. My name is John, and I am the producer for Your Best with Kathy Weckworth, and this week's show is called Kathy's Favorites. We're going to take a look back at about the last six months of Your Best with Kathy Weckworth. It's going to be a highlight reel of sorts. Kathy, what's going to be on today's show? Some of the interviews over the past six months that we have absolutely hit out of the park and that I've enjoyed immensely, and I'm bringing them back. Just things that we can review and a few new things. So let's kick off today's show by listening to a little blurb from an interview I had with one of my favorite pastors, Pastor Louis Schultz. Are you seeing differences in the level of commitment with people volunteering for things and then following through? You know, that's a great question, Kathy. I'm not sure if levels of commitment have changed over the years. I remember going to a workshop in the early 80s talking about how difficult it is to motivate volunteers. Mm. And so I think that our we wrestle against our human nature and our our desire to want to do good things but we don't always count the cost and it was interesting I had a conversation with one of my daughters about this and I asked so have you ever said you'd do something and then not followed through and she very matter-of-factly said, yes, I do that all the time. Ooh, wow. And I said, well, what, what's going on? She said, well, when I see them face-to-face and they ask me to do something, I find it very easy to say yes. But then when it comes down to it, I find it easy to back out later. Exactly. And then I compare that with my job where I go and meet people in their homes um, doing energy audits and inspections to see if there's a way our company can help them. We set those appointments from a call center in Las Vegas, and we know that out of the appointments that are set, we hope to get into 50% of them. Hmm. So we know as a company that people's commitments to see us, it's a 50-50 shot. So I think that's something about, you know, human nature and, you know, if I'm talking to you, I'm willing to say yes. And that reminds me of Matthew 5.37, where Jesus encouraged us in the Sermon on the Mount to let your yes be yes and your no, no. So obviously that's the goal. He also taught us to count the cost before we make commitments. And so I I think about that, and I've got this team of other people on our sales organization, and we have staff meetings, and I hear about how the sales manager is struggling sometimes to get the salespeople to actually go to the houses they said they would go to. Wow. And so... The, the issue is 
is probably way deeper and more complex than I could ever figure out, Kathy. I like how Pastor Louis talks about commitment, and I also love the fact that he's so real and authentic as he just says to us, I'm not really sure I completely understand it. What do you think? That's what makes people really great, isn't it? When they're just very real and authentic, kind of like our next guest, Kristen Johnson, a mommy and a blogger. And so when she gives you advice, you know it's real and authentic because she's at home raising those little kids and experiencing all of the dilemmas of parenthood. Here she is. Hi, this is Kristen Johnson with Positive Parenting. And black jeans aren't for mamas. I am one of those women who enjoy dressing up. I like putting on my cute outfits those times that I actually get to go out of the house. I know some of you can relate, and some of you just want to stay in yoga pants all the time. Either way, stay with me here. It was one such special occasion that I decided to wear my black skinny jeans. I was feeling pretty cute this day, pretty put together. I was taking my two youngest kids to Bible study, so I was looking forward to a little me time, too. Well, it was winter in Minnesota. And for those of you who don't know, that basically means your car is dirty for five months. They keep the roads treated up here in case it snows, which it often does. And also, I live in the country and have family and friends in the country, so I travel gravel roads a lot. Needless to say, our traverse was transformed from its lovely shade of navy blue to a gross shade of grungy gray. And since I'm kind of a magnet for dirt, I, of course, find that I have rubbed my black jeans up against the dirtiness of my car while getting my baby out of his car seat. Great. I had to go to Bible study with a gray smear on my thigh. Then, at lunch, my daughter dropped white cheddar mac and cheese on my leg. Combine that with the results of my drooling baby, and you can imagine what I looked like. I was no longer the picture of a put-together mom. Not at all. Nope. Black jeans are not for mamas. But when we get discouraged or feel a little pitiful, God's Word is there for us. When we try to have it all together and fail, God can help put us back together. A verse that I have always loved is Ephesians 2.10. But this time I backed up a couple of verses and found some more good stuff. God saved you by His grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things He planned for us long ago. Ephesians 2, 8-10. through 10. See what I mean? There is such good stuff here for us. First, God saved us. We did nothing but accept His grace. The fact that He saved us through Jesus is the greatest gift of all. We can't earn it. We can't repay it. We can just believe and be thankful. And I don't know about you, but I'm glad that God does not require a list of things that we need to do in order to be saved. He does not want to burden us. He wants to give us mercy and grace. Thank you, Jesus. Second, the fact that I don't have to do anything to earn salvation is so freeing. 
We do so much as moms and wives. Jesus came to give us freedom, freedom from perfection and striving. What a relief for this mom with a busy to-do list. And then there's verse 10. We don't have to have it put together. We are God's masterpiece, no matter what we look like or no matter what we have on our jeans. So unlike my black jeans, we are made new and washed clean by Jesus. And in spite of our mess, he wants to use us in his plans. What a trade-off. I give him my mess of a life, and he gives me good things to do for his purpose. Black jeans may not be for mamas, but God is all about us. He's all about you. So listeners, as we're thinking about those kids, and maybe you're a mom of young kids today or a dad that has young kids, or maybe you're, you know, older and you're a grandma and you're thinking about those children, or maybe you're single and you haven't even started thinking about that. Whatever it is, it's important for us to help our kids, our nieces, our nephews, our grandchildren, learn how to be smart about finances and handling money. And my daddy used to tell us as each one of us would get a piggy bank and we would get an allowance or we would get extra you know, money for doing special jobs. He would say, you know what, you have to learn to save and you have to learn to tithe. And so to talk to us today a little bit about finances and our kids is a fabulous cousin of mine named Valerie McKay, and she's an incredible financial advisor, and here she is with a little help. Unfortunately, our schools lack curriculum and basic money management skills. It is important that we teach our children how to manage their finances from a young age so they develop habits to become fiscally responsible adults. Although some of us were not taught these skills ourselves when we were children, it is never too late to teach our children these valuable techniques for managing money. First, start with the concept of earning money. Face it, most of us will not just be handed money for the rest of our lives, but rather are expected to earn an income. Either weekly allowances or commissions based on extra chores is a way to teach kids the correlation between working at something and earning a wage. As a parent, you will determine an allowance amount or commission for chores and discuss it with your children. A popular method is to give a child a weekly allowance based on their age. For example, a five-year-old gets $5 a week. But you can determine this based on your own budget and what is reasonable for your family. It is not too early to start a toddler with age-appropriate chores, like picking up their toys and putting them in the toy box and giving them a coin for this effort pointing out the association between doing a job and receiving compensation. A very popular method for teaching children about money management is the concept of splitting their earnings into three buckets, and those buckets are spend, save, and share. It starts with three containers, either jars, piggy banks, or envelopes, marked with the words spend, save, and share. Discuss a split of their allowance into each container. For example, maybe you choose to put 20% into share, 30% into save, and 50% into spend. Each time the child receives a payment or gift of money, they deposit the funds based on the determined split into the containers. This method gives a parent an opportunity to discuss with your child the important concepts of saving up for more expensive items versus spending all of their money at one time. 
Maybe the split of funds into the containers will change based on the savings goals of the child. This method also teaches the child a valuable lesson that even though he or she may not have a lot of money, there are always those less fortunate to share with. The share jar can be used for donations to churches or in combination with volunteer services. For example, the share jar may be used to buy food for a local food shelf, and then you could also volunteer to pack bags for an hour or two with your child. As we know, there are countless opportunities to share our time and money with those in need. I encourage you to explore information on the internet regarding money management for kids. Dave Ramsey at DaveRamsey.com has a host of valuable material, including books, blogs, and videos on the subject. Check out SesameStreet.org for a parent's guide to teaching financial lessons to kids, including free downloads of jar wrap templates that the younger kids can color and adhere to their three jars. This can help create a sense of ownership and pride in the process. Let's work together to make the next generation financially wise. This is Money Matters with Valerie McKay. Great advice from Val, and I'm thankful for her. She's been not only an incredible financial advisor, but a really fabulous cousin. So as we move forward, let's think a little bit about worship and music. Um, Where I came from growing up, it was always just known as music. But as I got older and became a worship director, the music transformed to thinking at a greater intent about what your Sunday morning looked like. Everything that was involved in a service was considered to be worship, whether it was your prayer, your announcements, your music, your offering, your special music, it was all part of worship. So as we think about worship, we think about giving God our honor and glory, here's an excerpt from one of our friends at Best Life Ministries, Tony Guerrero, and Tony is a jazz musician and also the music director formerly at Saddleback Church with Rick Warren in Orange, California. Hi, listeners. Getting inside the music. Jazz flugelhornist Chuck Mangione once said that he wished he could take everybody in the audience and sit them down right in the middle of a symphony orchestra because only then could they ever really feel the power of 70 people making music together. And he's right. And there's nothing better than being right inside the music like that. It's this idea that has carried over with me into my most profound listening experiences. I've always tried to get inside the music I was hearing. Learning how to hear beyond the performance, beyond the artist, and beyond the production allowed me to fall in love with some music that was often not recorded well or even sometimes not played well. As a kid, I didn't have much money of my own to buy records, and so I was kind of limited to my dad's collection. And at first, this was difficult because I didn't really love the styles of music he loved. But eventually, as I looked beyond the styles and dug inside the music, I found myself starting to get moved by music I would have never sought out on my own. I started listening intently to jazz, classical, country, opera, symphonic music, Broadway, and even mariachi music. And I fell in love with all sorts of music. Eventually, my tastes in music were not limited to the style of music, but rather what was inside the music, passion. Passion can take a limited performer, a bad recording, a bad song, and an undesirable style of music and turn a musical moment into something profound. I'm proud to say that I love all styles of music, so long as there is passion in it. 
and it is the search for passion in music that keeps me unafraid of seeking out and experiencing new, unfamiliar forms. I was recently moved to tears by a recording of indigenous singers from the Himalayas, and trust me, I didn't exactly have that on my iPod already. I am often puzzled by people whose playlists are limited to song after song of the same basic style of music or similar performers. There is so much great music you're missing, I think to myself, and sometimes I actually tell them. I believe God loves variety. Have you noticed how so many worship bands and so much worship music kind of sounds the same? Wouldn't it be great if our worship teams represented the influences that are as vast as God's creation? I would encourage you to examine your personal playlist. How much variety do you see? If there isn't much, start filling it with music you've never listened to before. Even music you previously thought you hated. Get inside the music. Dig deep and look for the passion that may exist in it. Let that passion inspire you, and soon the style will be irrelevant. As you listen, you will begin to see how all these styles will start to enhance your life. They will start to enhance your gifts, whether you're a performer or a writer or an artist or whatever it is you do. I promise you'll find many, many musical treasures, and you'll wonder how you lived without them. Think of how God's church could be enhanced if we all embrace the wide variety He created. This is Tony Guerrero with Everyday Worship. One of the fun facts for me is the incredible inspiration that I have felt from several of these worship artists. And now as I've had this radio show, I've been able to interview them. Tony Guerrero became a friend of mine about seven years ago and has been helping with Best Life Ministries. And just a few years back, I became friends with Mark Roach and Mark knew Tony, Tony knew Mark. Mark had several really great hits on the top list for worship songs on CCLI, Christian Music. And so this is going to be Mark Roach, worship director, worship leader, fabulous worship artist, with his thoughts on how to create an atmosphere at your church for a spirit of worship. When you talk about creating atmospheres of worship in our church services, I mean, yeah, I think it's absolutely critical. Here's the thing, though. What exactly does that mean? You know, for some that may mean dynamic stage design or beautiful lights to create the right mood or an epic sound system to ensure that the congregation is enveloped in full pads and guitar swells. And listen, I think those things can help facilitate an atmosphere of worship. But in my opinion, they should never lead the charge. I think instead of defining atmosphere as the way an auditorium or sanctuary looks, sounds, or feels, I'd start defining it as a culture. I'd implore pastors, worship leaders, tech directors to be tenacious about one thing, facilitating connection between God and his people during worship. I mean, to me, that's what it's all about. If everything we do has that filter on it, how much more impactful will our gatherings be? And even better, could that filter begin making the time outside of our gatherings more impactful as well? Some examples I'd give would be, you know, sing songs your congregation loves to sing, not just songs they love to hear or or that you or your band love to play. I'd say design every creative aspect of your service, not with the goal of drawing attention or being cool, but with the goal of clearing obstacles between the congregation and God. I'd say to pastors, challenge your people again, not only to clear their heads and focus on God during your gatherings, but to engage God through the week, through you know prayer, devotion, Bible reading, small groups, whatever. This one's a little out of the box, but one of the things that I've loved doing lately is helping churches make records. 
letting the congregation extend their musical worship experience into the work week at home or during their commute to work is huge. And when they hear your leadership, your arrangements, your voice, it feels even more like home. Look, there's tons of examples and I could talk about this for days, but my point would be, what if the atmosphere we create in our church services really starts with the culture we create in our churches? So listeners, I'm coming up to two years that I've had Your Best with Kathy Weckworth as a radio show and podcast, and I'm kind of celebrating today, just throwing in my favorite things in life that have to do with this radio show, my favorite people, my favorite topics, my favorite songs. And I remember back to two years ago when we had the first episode aired right on KSCR in Benson, Minnesota, where I live. And I invited about 25 of our closest friends over to listen to the show as it aired. And it was so lovely. A picnic in the backyard. We blasted from our radio, um, the show. And I was so really excited to be able to share those moments. One of the more memorable parts of the evening to me was that half hour before our show starts on KSCR, I have the privilege of being able to pick out 30 minutes of worship music. And one of the songs that I picked was a song by Joey and Rory Feek, and it was called Turning to the Light. And little did we know then that it would be about a year later that the lovely Joey would pass away of cancer. So today, being that she's impacted my life in a huge way and knowing how much I love that song, I'm just going to go back in time here, pretend like it's two years ago, and I'm out on the lawn with my friends drinking iced tea and enjoying the music. Here's Joey and Rory with the song, Turning to the Light. Like a seedling in the clay When the sun's first golden ray Marks the breaking of the day I am turning to the light, I am reaching toward the sun, I have journeyed through the night, and the battle now is won, there's a new song in my heart, there's a new day dawning bright, oh, I'm turning to the light. With no sign of spring inside Now I'm turning to the light I am turning to the light I am reaching toward the sun I have journeyed through the night And the battle now is won There's a new song in my heart There's a new day dawning
turning to the light. I am turning to the light. I am reaching toward the sun. I have journeyed through the night, and the battle now is won. There's a new song in my heart. There's a new day dawning bright. Oh, I'm turning to the light. I am turning to the light. I am reaching toward the sun. I have journeyed through the night, and the battle now is won. There's a new song in my heart. There's a new day dawning bright. Oh, I'm turning to the light. Oh, I'm turning to the light. I love that song. Isn't it fabulous? So very, very encouraging. It meets me exactly where I'm at with my history and my past. Well, coming up next is a segment from my producer, John Jennings, and it's about leadership. And many of you out there have jobs where you're leaders. You boss people around during the day. But actually, leadership really is in everyday life, in our everyday worlds, in many places. Maybe you're leading someone um, to do something at your church. Maybe you're in charge of the ushers or the greeters. Or maybe you're a leader with your family because you're the mom or the dad. Maybe you're leading a neighborhood watch. Um, It doesn't mean that you have to have a job where you lead people every day to be a leader because for the most part, we all lead somebody at some time. And here's a couple of important thoughts about the what's and the why's of leadership. Give a listen. As I ponder leadership, I gravitate toward two key areas, the what and the why. The why is all about communicating purpose. The what is about creating clarity. I typically think about these at the enterprise level. Why are we doing what we are doing as a brand or organization? What specifically will be our focus to bring our stated purpose or promise to consumers? This has to extend beyond the enterprise level and touch the heart and minds of the individuals within the organization as well. The following is a simple model for thinking about how we might drive the what and the why at both the global and local level. Number one, casting a vision. This is what a leader does when they share the organization's reasons for being at the enterprise level. The goal here is to provide others with meaning and purpose. We want to work for organizations that are going to make a difference. Number two, building engagement. While meaning and purpose are motivating, engagement happens at the local level. It is here the why comes to life for each individual. Managers play a significant role through coaching and translating the broad purpose to meaning at the specific job level. The results are commitment and energy. Number three, creating clarity. Here, the leader wants to ensure that the organization knows its most important priorities. This is all about making first things first. If done well, the leader instills the organization with confidence and trust. Couple this clarity with the fuel of a strong vision, and you'll have an organization catalyzed to deliver results that create meaningful value. And fourth, setting priorities. Clarity at the enterprise level needs to trickle down to specific actions at the individual level. Leaders of people need to link what their teams are doing to enterprise initiatives. 
In addition, they need to ruthlessly protect their teams from continuous pressures to spend their time on other things which, while perhaps useful, are not crucial. Strong priorities lead to ownership and high productivity. As leaders, we need to be cognizant of all four quadrants. While your role may have you more focused on enterprise rather than frontline leadership, you can still benefit from understanding each area. Likewise, for emerging leaders, which areas are easier for you? Which are more challenging? Which might you do differently in the weeks to come? It's been a fun time together just to think about the fabulous things in life that make me happy. I really appreciate you listening to this radio show. So you're one of my favorite things in life, listener. And as we think about favorites, uh, part of my life and my journey is being married to Farmer Dean and owning the little church outside of town here in Benson. So I want to personally invite you on Saturday, May 13th, to a one-day women's event at my church from 8.30 in the morning till 2.30 in the afternoon. Not a long period of time to give up, to think about you. We're talking about renewing, refreshing, and restoring your spirit. We're talking about how to cope and deal with stress and how to have an authentic prayer life. Lunch is included. It's a free will offering. You don't want to miss it. If you're interested in attending, you can contact me at Kathy, with a K, Kathy at bestlifeministries.com. Speaking of favorite things, I want to share my favorite Bible verse, which is the basis of the ministry, Best Life Ministries. It's John 1010B. I came so they can have real and eternal life, more and better life than they ever dreamed of. Let me pray with you today. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this beautiful day, for all of the good gifts that you give us, good friends, good music, good times together, good conversations, good thoughts, good leadership ideas, thoughts about worship, thoughts about finances, all of the pieces that you put together in life to help us. We thank you. We're grateful for all that you do. Be with us this week. Bless us in Jesus' name. Amen. Friends, if you enjoy this podcast, subscribe to it on iTunes and please give us a favorable review so that other people can listen to the show and enjoy it as well. For more encouragement and hope, log on to our website at bestlifeministries.com. And for more information about me, you can log on to kathyweckworth.com. Hey, thanks for being with us today. And until next time, I encourage you to go out and be your best.